So today's message is what matters most? What matters most? As we are setting our goals, as we're making our resolutions, as we're writing things out, as we're, some of us just thinking about, oh, well, maybe this will be the year I lose that 10 pounds or whatever it is. As we're thinking about the things that we want to change in this year, let's focus on what matters most. What do you want to, I want to cultivate what matters most. I don't want to just have some more to-do list, right? I have enough things to just mark off to do. I want the things on my to-do list, the things that matter, matter most in my life, matter most to God. I want the things that I'm doing today going to make me the person I want to be when I'm 80 years old. So we need to think what matters most. When setting goals this year, keep these three things in mind if you want to do what matters most. Number one, if you want to truly do what matters most, we must, here it is, y'all, wake up. Someone say, wake up. See, I know it's cold in the house, but it's time to wake up. Wake up. I love what the scripture says in Ephesians 5, 13 through 20, and it's kind of hardcore, so we're, gonna just, we're just going to dig in real deep here. I love this scripture, and it's, it just, psh, I love the word of God. But listen to what it says here. It says, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. That is why it is said, wake up. Say it with me. Wake up. Wake up, sleeper. Rise from the dead and let Christ will shine on you. This is the things, friends. Look at me for a minute. Guess what? You're born again. You're saved. So you should wake up and be aware of what's going on. Let the light of Christ shine on you and through you. And this is what the scripture goes on and gives some instruction here. Once you're woke. (laughs) it says this, be very careful then. Hmm. Now, when the scripture starts off with be very careful, then what do you think we should do? Be careful. I mean, that's kind of be very careful then. And then it says not as unwise, but as wise, making the most or be very careful then how you live. That's kind of important. Wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead and let Christ's light shine on you. And then it goes on, be careful then how you live. How you live really matters, doesn't it? It really matters. It says making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. When I'm writing down my goals and I'm making out my action steps and I'm telling you I spent weeks on on what what I want to see happen in my life and in the church for 2018, I want to focus on what matters most, and that means I've got to make the most of every opportunity, friends. Oh, Lord, forgive us for the opportunities that pass us by. God, forgive us for the times your Holy Spirit speaks on our heart to whisper God's encouragement to somebody in Walmart, and we ignore it. Forgive us, Lord, when we hear the tugging of the Holy Spirit to call somebody up who is going through things, and we ignore it. Forgive us, oh, Lord, when you wake us up in the middle of the night because you want us to pray, and we ignore the tugging of your Spirit. Forgive us. And God, help us make the most of every opportunity. 
goes on and it says, therefore, therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. How many of you guys want to know what the Lord's will is? I know I want to know what the Lord's will is. I know when I'm, I don't want to just have goals to meet the American dream. Listen, y'all, that's an idol. That is an idol. I believe God wants to bless us and prosper us and for us to live a good life so that we could be a blessing to others. But friends, so many of us get caught up in the rat race of the American dream that we forget what matters most, what the Lord's will is. And this is what the Lord's will is in verse 18, to remember how you live. Remember, it starts how you live. Be careful then how you live. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Hmm. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. See, when I got on fire for God when I was 19 years old, see, I knew about God. I was baptized at nine. I knew of him, and I, was, I wavered kind of through my teenage years. And then 19 years old, a sophomore in college, I, got, I said, I'm done. I'm done with wavering. I went on a 30-day fast. I fast, and I was praying. And I was saying, God, show me what you want me to do. That's how I end up pumping gas at the gas station across the street from our South Toledo campus when God drew me into that place. I, I know it was directly from him because I didn't get an invite. The Holy Spirit told me, go check that out. And my life was forever changed. But I decided when I sold out to God, I'm not going to get drunk anymore. I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. See, today we have so many compromising Christians, so many people who, who want to live like the world and still also wonder why God's not really moving on their life. Guess what, friends? He's not telling you just not to do something. He's telling you, here, don't do this. Instead, do this. Oftentimes, we focus on the do not, don't do not, commit adultery, do not, you know, steal, do not kill, do not, you know, get drunk on wine. We just focus on that. But instead, focus on the what we should do. He said, be filled with the Spirit. Does that sound like a command to you? It sounds like a command to me. He wants us to be filled with his Spirit. And friends, I used to say when I was 19 years old and I got really filled with the Spirit. I got touched and filled with the Spirit at 13, but something sparked and came alive at me at 19 that I never went back. I used to say, there ain't no high like a Holy Ghost high. <laughs> because I was so filled with the Spirit and I still experience that. Today I couldn't sleep last night. And I believe it's because the Holy Spirit was on me and I just was praying and speaking in tongues and asking God to move. I was praying for many of you by name, asking God to move on your life, that this would be the year that you are fully awake. That this would be the year that you fully engage in everything that God has for you. Do you want to know how we're going to grow this church when you are filled with the Spirit? And we make the most of every opportunity, friends. So he says, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual, or psalms, hymns, and songs of the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Worship is so important. When praises go up, friends, blessings come down. It is, it's, it's just the sowing and reaping thing. When we praise him and our praises go up, his blessings come down. If you feel like you don't know how to enter in and you have not felt the presence of God, I'm telling you, get lost in some worship and you will feel it. You will feel the presence of God. And that's why I am just so excited about what God is doing in our worship. 
And then finally in verse 20, it says, always give thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Be thankful, be grateful. Part of my time um, in these last couple weeks that I focused on um, setting these goals for myself and for for, uh, my family, I took a large part of that, taking time being grateful for what God has already done. I wrote down a list of people I'm grateful for. I wrote down things that have happened in 2017 that I'm grateful for. I wrote down the failures that I believe I experienced in 2017 and what I can learn from them and how even those things have made me grateful. Friends, we need to cultivate an attitude of gratitude, amen? So as I read this scripture, and what makes, me, what it makes me realize is the enemy wants to put us to sleep by tempting us to only gratify the flesh. Listen, friends, this is key. The enemy wants you to stay sleeping. Because, and the way he wants you to stay sleeping is he wants you to focus. And listen, it's hard to live in this world because our flesh is for real, y'all. It's for real. We live in the body. If it's not for the spirit of God, the flesh, it makes us crave things that are not of God. And if we give in to the flesh, we will get ourselves in a state of uh, uh, a spiritual coma. It's like after we eat that big old turkey dinner for Thanksgiving and you just can't hardly do anything. I used to call that a turkey coma. You know what I'm talking about? You just, you, you barely can feel like you can hardly get up and move anywhere. You just want to take a nap on recline in that recliner. Well, listen, the same is true when we get into just feeding our flesh and gratifying our flesh. We become, we get ourselves in a state of a spiritual coma and we don't even know what's going on. We're just walking around like Christian zombies. Just walking around, don't know anything that's going on. Friends, we need to wake up. And the way we wake up is we need to start starving what we hate and feeding what we love. My pastor's wife, Shannon Stepp, used to tell us that when we first um, got on fire when I was just a young adult. She said, starve what you hate and feed what you love. So if my flesh loves sugar <laughs> and it's not good for me, I need to, I need to take times of fasting where I starve what I hate. If, if, I'm, if I know that I'm given to lust and certain things, I need to start what I hate. I need to watch the time that I spend on the Internet. If I know I'm giving in to um, violence and anger and cussing, I need to watch the, the entertainment that I'm watching and make sure that I'm not feeding that stuff because I can't listen to a whole bunch of cuss words on, on shows because guess what? Something's about to slip when someone makes me angry because I'm passionate. And so I can't be listening to all that stuff. Whatever it is for you, starve what you hate. If you hate giving into the flesh and you hate it, you feel so bad and so guilty after you just, what we used to say, flesh out. <laughs> oh, y'all, I had a flesh out moment. George, or which one was it? The youngest snuck into bed with me on Saturday night. No, not Saturday night, Friday night. Threw up all over the place. I already told y'all I don't do well with that kind of stuff. I woke up, I was like, what are you doing? Get your butt to the toilet. Poor thing didn't know what hit him. I'm like, get your butt to the toilet. And then I'm running downstairs, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. I'm waking up the whole house. Help me. Help. I mean, I, I just fleshed out just, just a little bit. Oh, sure. Just a little bit. 
and, and then the next day, I, 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 I slept in, man. I, I went back to bed. I slept until like 11. The next day, I woke up. And or ten or something like that, late for me. I woke up, I went to the fridge, and I saw on my on my fridge the scripture that I have about set a guard over your mouth. Oh Lord, forgive me. Forgive me. So that day I said, I'm not gonna speak one negative word. It was like night and day difference. <laughs> because I've got to learn to starve what I hate and feed what I love. So I'm going to focus on today on, on speaking truth and speaking life to people. Friends, we all mess up. We all fall short. It's not about perfection. It's about progress. It's about progress. See, the enemy wants to put us asleep by tempting us to gratify our flesh. We need to wake up out of that flesh coma. we got to wake up out of that spiritual coma, and we need to, to really come alive. Are you really awake? I want to ask you, do you even know who your, your identity? Do you even know your purpose do you even know your assignment? Do you even know what identity, purpose, and assignment means? Well, let me break it down just in case you don't. Identity is the fact of being who or what a person is. Your identity is your who. Say my who. Your identity is your who. See, my identity is a daughter of God, is a lover of Christ. My identity never changes. That's who I am. I'm a daughter of God. I'm a, I'm a lover of God. That's who I am. That is my identity. It's my who. Purpose now is the reason for which something is done or created or for which something exi exists. It is your why. It is your why. See, my purpose is to walk in the anointing and to do his work by preaching the gospel. My purpose will never change. Now, I can do my purpose when I was working at the YMCA when I was 20 years old and I was driving a van uh, full of kids. Now, see, the YMCA, it's a, it, it was started as a Christian organization. So I went to my leaders and said, listen, you got me, a 20-year-old girl, driving this van, and I would like to pray over these kids and pray over the safety every time I get in this van. This is the YMCA, Young Men's Christian Association. Am I allowed to do that? I said, yeah, go ahead. So I was preaching the gospel as I was praying and telling those kids, listen, y'all, y'all better pray. We're about to drive. Come on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I feel you, brother. I feel you. So is Josh. <laughs> My purpose is to share the gospel wherever I go. Now, that, I could do that at the YMCA. I could do that at Walmart. I could do that here at Vision Ministries. My purpose is my why, and it never changes. Now, this is where people get confused, especially Americans, y'all, especially nice water villains. <laughs> we get confused in our assignments. See, our assignment is a task or piece of work assigned to someone as a part of a job or a course of study. Our assignment is our what. This is where we get confused because a lot of people get their identity in their what. They have their purpose in their what. Well, what I do. What's the first thing we usually ask somebody when we meet them? Hi, hi, I'm Joy. And you are? You're Paul? Paul, what do you do? That's usually what we, we get to right away, right? We, not, we, don't really, we skip past the who and the why, and we go right to the what. And guess what, friends? We do the same thing in church. We skip past the who and the why, and we go to the what. 
Oh, what? We're vision, we're vision ministries. We have, we have uh, one church, two locations. We have an urban church, and then we just started this new church in Waterville, and this is what we do, and this is, we have a kitchen, and, and what, 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 what? We talk about our what, and, and we want to grow because of our what, and we advertise our what, but that is not who we are. And that's not our why, friends. We got to get this together. And in order to get this together, we need to wake up. Say, wake up. Friends, if we want to crush our goals and live our dreams, if we want to cultivate what matters, we need to be woke. (laughs) We need to wake up. We need to wake up. Paul knew who he was. And so he knew who he was, and when hardships happened, it did not sway him because he knew exactly who he was and why he was here. That's why he was able to move from assignment to assignment, friends. Our assignments change. Our what changes. Our who and our why does not. Amen? All right. If you want to truly cultivate what matters, if you truly uh, want to focus on what matters most, well, first, we need to wake up. Second, we need to pray through. Say, pray through. Mm. James 5.16 says, the prayer of the righteous person is powerful and effective. No man is greater than his prayer life. Leonard Ravenhill right there, friends. Anyone who knows me knows Leonard Ravenhill is my favorite revivalist that's ever lived. I love him. I love all of his, his teachings. I love um, his books. If you've never read Why Revival Tarries, you need to get a copy of it. It's a classic. A matter of fact, I think I need to read it again. I try to read it every couple years anyway. <laughs> no man is greater than his prayer life. Think about that for a minute. Hmm. So many people are praying, but few are able to pray through into his glory and divine will. Jesus went to the garden and he talked with God until his flesh gave way and sweat like blood ran freely down from him. Pray through means pray until you get your breakthrough. There's nothing like helping you get focused on what you really want to be and starting the year out um, with a a funeral of someone that you love very dearly. Sister Juanita was one of my role models and uh, 81 years old and she, we just laid her to rest last week and something that Sister Juanita taught me was to pray through. Even at 80 years old, in her late 70s even, she would come up to the altar and she, she little, just a little thing, she would come up there and she would get her worship on and she didn't care if everybody was younger and able to move more than her. She always prayed through and she prayed her, all of her kids into the kingdom. Most of them are pastors. She has uh, grandchildren and great-grandchildren that are in the ministry and I believe it was because of her prayers because the Bible says the prayer of the righteous is powerful and effective and I believe there are some prayers that exceed generations, friends. And that's the kind of praying that she did. And that's the kind of praying that I want us to do here at Vision Waterville. I want to read to you a couple um, excerpts here from David Wilkerson. And he's also with the Lord now. But David Wilkerson was a man of God who um, started Times Square Church. And he also started the Teen Challenge Movement. And he has so many things. uh, uh, Set Thy Trumpet to the Mouth is another old school great book that I read that just really kind of wakes you up and makes you realize that we need to focus on the main thing. He says a couple things here that I want to read to you. It says, we need to pray in order to stay in communication with God. Um, 
Sorry, nope, that was me saying that. Okay, here we go. Here comes David. (laughs) All true passion from Christ comes out of the baptism of anguish. Your search for the scripture, and you will find that when God determined to recover a ruined situation, he would share his own anguish for what God saw happening to his church and to his people, and he would find a praying man and take that man and literally baptize him with anguish. I really believe that is why we don't see revival like we need to in our generation. We see church growth in our generation. We see, we see um, God, you know, church doing things. We see activity, but I, we haven't really seen revival like we need to. We had a glimpse of it still in the late 90s, but like we really need to. There's some things going on in California and some different places, but I'm talking about around the world like we need to because we are not willing to be baptized in anguish. We are not willing to allow God to really break our hearts for, for what's going on in our community. What's even going on in our families? We're just not willing because it hurts, y'all. It hurts. And it's not easy. But he goes on, he says this, you see, a true prayer life begins in a place of anguish. You see, if you want To set your heart to pray, God is going to come and start sharing his heart with you. Your heart begins to cry out, oh God, your name is being blasphemed. The Holy Spirit is being mocked. The enemy is out trying to destroy the testimony of the Lord's faithfulness. And something has to be done. He goes on, he says, there is going to be no renewal, no revival, no awakening until we are willing to let him once again break us. Hmm. Break us. Some of you guys are starting to wake up here. See, folks, he says, it's getting late and it's getting serious. Please don't tell me, don't tell me you're concerned when you're not spending hours or when you're spending hours in front of the internet or television. Come on. Lord, there are some that need to get to this altar and confess I am not what I was. I am not where I am supposed to be. God, I don't have your heart or your burden. I wanted it easy. I just want to be happy. But Lord, true joy comes out of anguish. There's nothing of the flesh that will give you joy. I don't care how much money. I don't care what kind of new house. There's absolutely nothing physical that can give you joy. It is only accomplished by the Holy Spirit when you obey and take on his heart. When I went to go see Sister Juanita three days before she passed, I was in the room with her, and my husband and I were there, and we, we prayed for her. She wasn't um, very cognitive at that time. She was kind of looking around. She wasn't able to speak, but I knew that she knew who I was. I was rubbing on her face, and I was praying, and I was sharing scripture, and we sang a song, and I, had, I looked around the room, and I, I saw there was nothing really there. And then I thought, man, we worked so hard hard to fulfill the American dream, to get the bigger, better house, to fill our stuff up full of 
things. I was even looking today as I was sitting in my prayer chair and I looked at shelves full of books and I thought, none of this is going to go with me. When I pass, I'm turning 40 this year and I thought, I'm halfway there. I'm halfway there and I want to live what matters most and that means I can't always want to just be happy and gratify my flesh. There's nothing wrong. I believe that you can be holy and be happy, okay? Don't get me wrong. But sometimes we get so caught up in the pursuit of happiness, friends, that we forget to pursue God and his mission. And all it takes It's just a handful of people that would be willing to be baptized in anguish. They wouldn't care if we go long, if the sermon goes long, if the worship goes longer. They wouldn't care about their time schedule and would say, God, use me. I want to see you move. But see, we feel uncomfortable. And so we let it pass. And we miss the opportunity. Vision Waterville, when I was writing this out, and this was a download from the Lord, I felt like the one thing that I needed to challenge you with is your prayer life. Our church will never be greater than our prayer life, friends. And I get it. We don't have a building. So it's a little harder to do things. But we could come early when we're not greeting and, and running the kids' ministry. And the Bible says whenever two or three of them are gathered, and we could come early. We don't need Anthony to set this up on a schedule. We can decide. I'm going to get to church early when it's not my turn to serve because I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray that the seats fill up with hungry souls that want to know Jesus. I'm going to pray for my family and friends that don't know him. I'm going to pray that the Holy Spirit moves in such power and worship that we don't even get to the word. I'm going to pray that when the word is preached, that conviction comes on us, that we don't even wait for the altar call, that we fall on our knees right there and say, God, I'm ready. I'm going to pray that God moves in old time revival, that he wakes us up. I want to challenge you. Increase your prayer life this year. Be willing to let the Holy Spirit speak to you at 2 o'clock and 1 o'clock. And I said, God, I love sleep. (laughs) But I love you more. So if I have to get up, if I have to lay and toss and turn because I'm praying and I have to go down my list and I'm praying through everyone I can think of and I'm praying for you to move, God, I'm willing and I'm available because I want to see you move in your power and in your might because unless the Lord builds the house, the laborers labor in vain. Leonard Ravenhill says this, at the judgment seat, the most embarrassing thing the believers will face will be the smallness of his praying. Lord, let it not be us. God, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that your Holy Spirit would come on your people right here, right now, and that you would baptize them with such an anguish to pray and to intercede. God, that you would raise up intercessors in this place that would pray and intercede, that we would not let life's busyness choke out the life of God and the Holy Spirit. God, that we would be so baptized and so filled with the Holy Spirit that we can't help but pray and intercede when we're 
striving, we're speaking in tongues, Lord God. When we're going to bed, we're allowing you to move on us, Lord God, that you can put your burdens on us, that we would pray through until the breakthrough happens, God. Would you baptize us with anguish? Would you baptize us with your spirit? We got to wake. We got to pray. And if you want to do what truly matters, we must slay. Slay your giants. I'm not going to read all of 1 Samuel 17. I believe most of you guys know the story of the epic fight between David and Goliath. But see, I want to say a couple of things to you today. A giant, a giant could be anything in your life that mocks you and makes you feel that you're not good enough to be used by God. A giant could be anything that keeps you from walking in the fullness of God. Some different examples are fear, depression, addiction, insecurity, secret sin. I thought about Juanita, and I thought about how um, she, they would laugh. They, she had uh, four boys and, and one daughter. The daughter's already um, home with the Lord, but there's two of her boys that really, really, man, put her through it. Uh, her one said that son said that her she, that basically she had two knees and one was named one son and one was named the other son, and the one son was saying how he would just man he would just he was out there in the world I mean just out there but she would pray and she, he would come sneaking in at night and she would be sitting there praying and and um, saying things like. <laughs> Uh, I'm praying that God will show you hell and that, that you would, you know, that you would be aware of what you're doing and that the fear of God. I mean, she would, all these different things. And I thought, man, you know what? A lot of times when our children go through things, instead of really praying through, we just give in to, to, to hopelessness. Don't you know that the scripture says that if you plant that seed, that that seed is not going to return void, that the word of God is going to accomplish what it set out to do? No, you declare it. I remember one time while well, one of Josh's friends um, kind of came to the Lord around the same time as, as Josh did, but he backslid. And one time Josh grabbed a hold of his hands and he said, in the name of Jesus, I'm not going to see you go to hell. I mean, sometimes we got to get that kind of bonus that we just claim that person back. We declare that they're going to be for real. Instead, we let the giant of insecurity and depression stand in our way of being who we're supposed to be. Come on, somebody. And we also, we need to slay those giants. See, David was earnest to kill the lion and the bear in the secret place. And because he did that, God gave him public victory over the giant. And he would do the same for us. 1 Samuel 17, I'm just going to read a couple verses here. It says, but David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When the lion or the bear came and carried off the sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it down, rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both lion and bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defiled the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion, the paw of the bear, has rescued me from the hand of this Philistine. See, if David did not kill the lion and the bear in the secret place, he would not be able to slay the giant in the public's eye. Some of us have some things in our life that are so big that we cannot get over because we have not taken care of those things that are in our secret place. Come on, somebody. I'm about to preach right now. Some of us can't have victory 
Because we got sin in the secret place that we're not dealing with. Oh, it's quiet here in this Presbyterian church. Hmm. I feel like the Lord said there is some secret sin that we've got to take care of, y'all. We've got to take care. Expose it. Just put yourself out there. Man, I threw a fit this week when I got thrown up on. Come on, y'all. Just put yourself out there. I got some flesh I got to die to. Get a friend. Get somebody you could talk to. Say, man, I messed up again. I looked at pornography again, and I need to be freed. I need to get so sick of it that you want to be free. My husband, when he was, before we were married, embarrassed the mess on me at a testimony service on a Sunday night. He was struggling with some, some lust issues, and he went through hours of some deliverance and prayer, and then it was testimony time. Y'all, this is old school here. Testimony time. He ran up from the back of the church to the front of the church to share, and he went up in front of everybody and said, I have been set free and delivered from masturbation. <laughs> we were engaged at the time, y'all. I was like, oh, my gosh, y'all. I was so embarrassed. And then I heard a teaching from Jesse DePlanis. De I don't know if he even really, I'll never hear him anymore. But he had this teaching. He said, if you don't embarrass sin, sin will embarrass you. And my husband took a hold of that. He said, I don't care if it's embarrassing. I'm going to put it out there because we overcome the enemy by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony, friends. And guess what? He's never fallen into that sin again because he was fully delivered and not ashamed to say it. Whatever that secret sin is, y'all, whatever it is, man, get free. Get free. There's freedom for you. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling, y'all. Get free so that we can slay the giant. The secret thing needs to be put to death, amen? We need to put it to death. Goliath tried to play on David's insecurities. Oh, my goodness. Isn't that how the devil does? Oh, you're not good enough. Oh, you're a girl from the south side. You never even finished your education. Oh, you're this and that and this and that. So what, devil? Don't you know the Bible says that he uses the foolish things of this world to confound the wise? Throw it back in his face, y'all. Martin Luther, man, he would, he, the devil would come talking to him and, and uh, great, you know, father of the faith. He would throw it back in his face. <laughs> Sometimes we need to throw it back in the enemy's face and stand firm on the word of God and declare his word. Goliath tried to insult David, he tried to put him down and try to make him feel like he wasn't good enough, but David did not pay any attention to, to the giant's insults because David learned it is only God's opinion that mattered. What matters most? God matters most. His kingdom, his righteousness. David, uh, he was not unfamiliar with insecurity. His own father rejected him when, when Samuel came to see who was going to be the next king. He was out, left out in the sheep. His own brothers didn't like him. Saul wanted to kill him. But David was okay with himself because God's opinion is what matters most. There are going to be people in your life, hear me, they're going to think you can't do it. There are going to be people in your life that think you're crazy for dreaming what you dream. There's going to be people in your life that think you've gone overboard with Jesus. There's going to be people in your life that think you're doing a little too much. It does not matter what they think. It's only God's opinion that truly matters in the end. We come into this world with nothing and we go out 
with nothing. We need to start being, having a, a mindset of eternity, friends, because the only thing we can take with us, the only thing is other souls. We need to be busy about his kingdom. Busy about his kingdom. And we need to get rid of our low self-esteem. You know what our low self-esteem is? <laughs> it's really kind of a form of pride. Well, how's that so? I'm glad you asked. Let me tell you. <laughs> See, low self-esteem says, oh, I, 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 I'm not good enough. I'm not educated enough. I'm not talented enough. I can't sing good enough. I just know a couple chords. I, 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 I. And all of a sudden, we're starting to think it's all about us. And advancing the kingdom is all about an I instead of a him. That's why it's pride, friends. See, confidence is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking about yourself a little less. It's about him. So I say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. What can man do to me? That's scripture, friends. The way we view our problem oftentimes is our problem. Right perspective stops looking at the giant and it starts looking at God. First Samuel, I want to end with this verse. 45 and 47, David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, and I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, who you have defiled. We need to come against some things in the name of the Lord Almighty. Amen. Come on, somebody. We need to come against things in the name of the Lord Almighty. And then he says this, this day the Lord will deliver you into my hands and I will strike you down and cut off your head. This very day I will give your carcass of the Philistine army to the birds, birds and the wild animals. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. We want the whole world to know. We want Waterville to know that there is a God that is still alive and moving today, friends. We need to start declaring some things. And all those who gathered here will know that it's not by sword or spear that the Lord says, for the battle is the Lord's. It's the battle is still the Lord's, friends. I want to say this. The giant in front of you is never bigger than the God inside of you. Would you stand to your feet? Jesus, Jesus. I believe there's some people in here that God is starting to just wake up a little bit. There's some people in here that there's some things of the flesh that they have been feeding that God is telling them not this year. It's time to put that underneath your feet. Amen, somebody? It's time to put it underneath your feet. There's some people in here that don't really know their identity and they don't really know their purpose, but they want to. If that's you today, if you want to discover your identity and your purpose, would you raise your hand before the Lord?
Does everybody in here know what their identity is and their purpose is? If you know your identity and your purpose, would you raise your hand? Okay. And there's some of you guys who didn't raise your hand, so you don't know. That's the first step, friends. But if you don't know how to get to know, it's to allow the Lord to come out to start praying and asking God to, to minister to you. I believe God wants to raise some people up here to be intercessors, to pray through, to be those kind of people that have the anointing to pray until they get the breakthrough, to stand in the gap and to intercede. If you want to be baptized in the spirit of anguish and intercessory prayer, would you raise your hand before the Lord? If you want God to minister to you in that way, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And then there are some people in here that have some giants to kill, but before you get to that giant, you know there's some secret things in your life that you gotta deal with. And you've been holding on to, would you raise your hand before the Lord? If you got some secret things, just expose it right now by raising your hand and say, God, you know, you know this is a secret thing here that I need to give up to you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Don't be ashamed, don't be afraid. I'm gonna ask us to take a step further and if you raise your hand for any of those things, no one knows what, just come on up here and, and stand before the Lord. I wanna pray for you. I wanna pray that God will give you your breakthrough.